You're listening to episode five of the bookcast for Dwell, an Advent study in liturgy. This bookcast has been designed to give you another way to engage with the content of the book. Hi, my name is Rachel Fehrenbach. I'm the author of Dwell and your host during these episodes. Today, we're continuing in week one with day three, and we're going to be dwelling on this truth that God's enduring desire is to dwell with us, to co-rule with us, and to co-create with us. When humanity makes a mess of things, God's enduring promise is one of hopeful reconciliation and restoration. Now, it's story time. So sit back and listen as I read to you a fictionalized retelling of a biblical narrative. This story is told from the perspective of the image bearer, Eve. The question is posed to me, what is this that you've done? And in me, what is this that you've done? And through me, what is this that you've done? And around me, what is this that you've done? He is the very breath I take in as I search for words to form my answer. Though there is no room for explanation, only admission, because he is known and he knows. And yet knowing this, just moments before, I stood at the base of the tree and convinced myself to push away what was known for a promise of what was not. For the first time since my first breath, vines have taken up resonance inside my mind and strangled the light from my thoughts, dimming truth and understanding. I roll the thick stem of a fig leaf pinched between my thumb and finger as if the subtle vibration will knock the vines loose. I reverse the movement and the leaf twirls in the opposite direction. A question found me at the base of the tree, a question dipped in an opportunity to know what was unknown, an existence without him, without him in me and through me and around me, an existence where he is not known and I am not known, an existence without his presence ever dwelling with creation, an existence without his oversight, solo ruling humanity. Within the promise of insight, I forgot the promise of purpose, image bearer. Male and female, he created us to reflect him in the task of stewardship, co-rulers within the space of his cosmic tabernacle. I forgot and reached up. I forgot and took hold. I forgot. The serpent's deception caused me to forget. A whisper of admission pushes past the lump of shame and guilt in my throat. And I hate. He knows, and I am known. And in that space of the known, I am aware of the edges of what once was unknown, an existence without him, swallowing the corners of the garden as it inches forward, extinguishing the light that emanates deep from within creation and through creation and around creation, leaving a dullness where once there was vibrance. This new known, a slow snuffing out of divine presence, triggers something new within my chest. Fear. Fear of death. And this fear is greater than my fear of his judgment. My eyes snap from the ground to his face and focus with panic. He meets my gaze with the unexpected. Forgiveness. We will not die. But just as I'm certain we will not die, I'm certain we will not live either. At least, not live in the way we have known living to be. 
I glance sideways at Adam. He hasn't noticed how the edge touches the color of creation and dims the radiance. He is focused on the pronounced judgment over the serpent. With the finality that accompanies those words, he glances my way and I see he thinks we are in the clear, that we will be okay. His optimism fades, though, as he sees the life-disrupting edges consuming the ground just beyond me. He swallows hard. Panic replaces assurance. Beyond Adam, I notice the edge inches its way up the trunk of the fig tree and consumes each leaf. Earlier, we created covers of protection from those very leaves. How did we not know there is no protection from the consequence of treason? I thought knowing would be slow and illuminating like the rising sun. But I now know it is the slow setting sun that leaves the world visionless. As the dimness takes the light out from the very last leaf on the longest branch of the tree, his words command my attention and I will myself to take my eyes off that edge of dimness and focus on his face. His pronouncement layers pain and suffering into my image-bearer role. The words feel otherworldly and the situation incomprehensible. I know this is important, that it will have a long-lasting impact, but the dimness closing in poses the imminent threat. He turns to Adam and tells of the struggle that will be between him and the ground. Adam stands silently after the pronouncement is finished, letting the truth settle over him. He glances to the edge of the dimness that has picked up speed and is swallowing whole plants at a time before bringing his gaze back to me. There is an acceptance shrouding his countenance as he simply says, You will be called Eve. My spirit meets the renaming as presumption, and I feel the friction deeply. The name removes my oneness with Adam and establishes my identity squarely in what I can produce. It feels like both a compliment bestowed and a wall of division erected. I reach out and grab his hand to stabilize the conflict within me, but drop it when the usual electric current of connection is not there. It is then that I see the animal skins fashioned into coverings for Adam and I lying on the ground at our feet. My stomach drops and I see the deep brown and white fur and immediately recognize the animal that once wore it. Blood has been shed to provide covering. The brutality of it and the necessity of it, it feels like another source of friction. He first clothes Adam and then he turns his attention to me. Gently, tenderly, he wraps me with the covering holding me at arm's length to assess his workmanship. He makes no statement, but I can see that he is satisfied. Fear prickles my spine up into the base of my skull as the vines unwrap from my mind, and the light of clarity regains its footing. We can no longer know him, at least not in the way we have, not in his dwelling place. We seized in sight, until what we didn't know in that act has cost us what we did know. Intimacy breathing life into the very skin of our being. I will no longer be one with Adam, and I will no longer dwell with Adonai. The finality of that statement 
reaches into the depths of my innermost being and draws out lament. I drop to my knees and fall forward on my hands. Another wail escapes as I see the garden is nearly completely eaten by the dimness. Adam's arms wrap around my shoulders, trying to both comfort me and raise me from the ground, but I fight him. With a newfound strength, fueled by anger, anxiety, and distress. That is, until I see the edge of dimness just feed away from my fingertips. The weight of my sudden retreat from the edge throws Adam off balance, and he tumbles into the dirt next to me. I crawl away from the edge and towards Adonai, rising to my feet halfway and covering the remaining distance and run. When I reach him, I throw myself down at his feet, ignoring the pain as my knees hit the ground and sob. Please, no. Even as the words abscond my lips, I know they are futile, but I repeat the word please with desperation tinging my voice. Please don't turn me away from you. My body convulses with the weight of exile, and I close my eyes against the reality of my next statement. If I cannot live with you, I will die apart from you. The air has become heavier, and my lungs burn as I take in breaths quicker than I'm used to. The sounds, too, have become different, distorted. The light, amplified color is not the only thing that the edge has taken. The electric current of connection from his hand on the side of my head startles me, but I respond with a shake of refusal, closing my eyes even tighter. I am terrified of what will greet me if I open them. But he doesn't ask me to. Instead, he whispers into my ear what he spoke over the serpent. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head, you'll wound his heel. And with that declaration flows a vision of a being who carries both the image of Adonai and his very essence, the Redeemer, the one who will restore and make right the world, the one who will push back the edge and make a way to once again dwell in his presence, to once again know as well as be known. My eyes fly open and I gasp for breath, reaching out to cling to him, but my hands meet nothing and I fall forward, the gravel piercing the softness of my palms once again. A stabilizing peace covers me. I am aware of the permission to feel deeply the grief that has taken up residence within my soul. He breathes his special name for me, the one that belongs only to him, over my being, and a strength spreads from the top of my head to the tips of my fingers and toes. I rise from the ground and stand before him. I stand before him known, but even more than that, I stand before him loved, his wanted creation. He takes my hand and places it in Adam's at the last crevices of the garden are consumed by the edge of dimness. We keep our eyes on him until all has been consumed and we no longer can see him. It is done. We have been sent out. I drop Adam's hand and take a step forward. I cannot see it, but I know the garden is still there. A low growl meets my ears first, and then the sight of the cherubim with their swords of fire meet my eyes. I step back out of respect for the spiritual beings, but then I stand still, searching for him. He is still there, still able to be known, but it feels different. 
like how I know Adam's arm is still under the animal skin and how I can feel the form of it, but I cannot touch his skin, cannot feel the heat emanating from it. I can still know Adonai on this side of the separation, but it will not be the same. At least, not until I turn to Adam. He will come, the Redeemer. Adam nods, yes, and all will be made right. He nods again, yes, and Adonai will dwell with us once more. Adam sighs, relief settling into his being as he contemplates my words. Yes, he holds out his hand. It is time for us to go, he says with resolve. I place my hand into his, and together we venture into what once was unknown. Thank you for joining me today as we dwelled on this truth. God's enduring desire is to dwell with us, to co-rule with us, and to co-create with us. When humanity makes a mess of things, God's enduring promise is one of hopeful reconciliation and restoration. Join me tomorrow as we continue to dwell with God this Advent season.